Sheila um, is a visual artist based, based in Anchorage. She has um, over 20 large-scale, like municipal type public art projects around Alaska. This work is an outgrowth of one of those more recent projects, which she will tell us about. But I also really think, as this work shows, Sheila's history in set design is really present here because the theatrical way in which she shaped the space was so palpable. Like this morning, after she hung the show, I walked out here and I, it was instantly so changed. And it's because of these works and the way she had directed the lighting, which is a real critical part. It's a media within the media of these, these pieces and that too I know she'll talk about. Sheila's been awarded a national NEA TGC Fellowship in Set Design, a Rasmussen Fellowship, a Bucciver Fellowship, and the Alex Holmes Award. She has also received grants from the Alaska State Council on the Arts, the NASC Development Program, Rasmussen Foundation, the Andy Warhol and Rockefeller Foundations. Wine has received the Governor's Award for the Individual Artist. She is truly, and I mean this with all of my heart and head, one of the most outstanding artists we've ever had the yes. occasion to present, and Alaska is so lucky to have her. Asia, I didn't expect you to make me cry. <laughs> so, take it off, take it off, okay. So it's kind of appropriate that this all happened really fast. And I, I was just writing some notes today, and this is the last page of my rights and brains to-do list. And then I have to start a new book. So it's, it's kind of nice. Um, part of this series is because I feel like we're in a really unique uh, place in human history, as well as planetary history. You know, we've been hearing about the Anthropocene, Epic, um, that's all due to us. It's due to me, it's due to you, it's due to our species. Making dominant changes in both our environment and in our climate. And I've been thinking about this a lot for the last few years. And I know that a lot of artists and thinkers and creative types have also been stewing on it and like, what to do? Do you do anything? Or do you change direction? And I just wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. With, with that notion. But then I got this larger commission um, where I realized I was going to use signage. And as I was figuring that piece out, and it was a big piece, it was like 12 by 14 feet, and I was really quite lost some days. But at that same time, I was able to float down the Colorado River uh, through the Grand Canyon for 21 days. And what I saw during that time was just layer after layer after layer of strata. Like all of these stories, but no words, because it was all before our time. It, floating back 1.8 billion years. And it just really got me to thinking about the, the vast geological time and both in the past, but then it forced me to move into the future. And I was beginning to think about me and our species and 
you know, in, in geological time in the future, you know, what would our strata look like? You know, we might be underground by that point uh, as a species. And, and what, what were some of the uh, elements that I could use to sort of explore that notion? And that's when I finally understood, for me, that signage could be that thing. That it's, it's a human creation. It's something that we use to both direct and protect ourselves. And, and oftentimes, we do it at the expense of other ecosystems. It's, it's, a, it's a word that I'm just learning more. The word sign is a word that just has so many layers of meaning. There's a, there's a bit of wordplay here. And you can just see how, how we bounce around with how we use the word sign. And so from that notion, once, once I had that experience, that event, then I did the big piece. And I, I just kept thinking about it. And it was like, I really want to reduce the size down, because I think there's a bunch I can learn here. I think there's a bunch that, that I can figure out and make this more of a series and, and begin to explore other notions. So um, that's when the Strata series really got born, was because of those two events, a very large piece, and then um, my time floating back in time, I suppose you would say, uh, down the Grand Canyon. And the, the approach is such that I don't want them not to be signs that, that we're seeing. I want, it, I want the material to, say, to stay kind of as it is. It's just been obviously manipulated. I want there to be a tangle, if you will, of potentially conflicting directions. I, I want the uh, patinas, the wear and tear, the graffiti, the bullet holes, uh, the text, as it all gets chopped up and rewoven together to give this sense of a compressed uh, layer, that, the pressure of time and how it just compresses down. And it, it would leave then an echo of, you know, a slight echo of our thoughts, our goals, you know, what, what we as humans kind of are. So you got the welded, interwoven pieces, which have a certain kind of dynamic. And then out of the process of making those, I also then end up with, again, a lot of detritus from, from cutting and, and bending and shearing. And from those, then, I decided to use an old world technique, a mosaic, which is something you just can't speed up. It just takes forever because it was made when nobody cared about time, I guess. And so I use those cutoff pieces to make mosaics using contemporary material but old world time. And there are four of those here. And again, working with uh, layers of strata, and I'm working with them from uh, documentation that I've done. And then once, once I find a, an, 
a photo or an element that I like, then that's just my jumping off point to then move along uh, to get to the place where I feel like it's like, okay, that one's, that one's done, that one's good. So let's see, what else can I tell you? The other, where I think I'm going now with this stuff is I've learned, I'm learning more and more about the language around the word sign, and I'm very excited about that. Um, there's just much yet that can be done. But I'm also learning more and more about the material. And, and in the last six months, as I've finished up most of these works, um, I've discovered retroreflection, which we all know. I just didn't know the name. And retroreflection is like at nights when you're driving around a corner, you see the curve sign, it's dark, and then your headlights hit it. And for a moment, it's just like boom. And then it's gone, even though you can still see the sign. Because it's the, it's the direct correlation of the light beam into your eyes. And so what I'm discovering is this material, it makes these pieces. And then these same pieces become other pieces when they're under that condition. So I'm very interested in doing some site-specific work where, where they're exterior and where they will be engaging with human activity, especially like in the wintertime, like along the coastal trail in Anchorage where you have a lot of winter bikers with headlamps, you have skiers with headlamps, you know, you're just hiking by. I just think that there's, there's a wonderful opportunity to explore the kind of alter ego, the dark, the dark ego, of this material and these pieces. Because when it's under retroreflection, what I've discovered is that these surfaces have um, a deeper textural story to tell. There are things that are hard to see in daylight that are really pulled out in, um, in, in, the, in that retroreflective light. So you just, you just get another persona almost. Some, some just brighten, some actually really change in terms of what they are. That piece over there, the green with the orange is a fairly, for example, is a fairly, it's a tangled piece, but it's, it's fairly uh, simple in terms of its color structure. There is not a lot of color to it, but under retroreflection, that piece is just a beast. It's, it really changes so much. And so I want to learn more about that to be able to, in a sense, have both sides of, of this material shown at their best. And that's just one that kind of gives me like a sense of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde quality. It's very strange. So I haven't figured that out, but that's what happens to it. Uh, so yeah, so. This is the first of the series, but it's taught me so much already. And now I'm looking to take it to the next level, both in terms of uh, thinking more about the word sign and what can be done with this material, you know, metaphorically with the, those, the meaning of that word, looking at the material itself, where I can take that in, down the road, and then, um, 
just following that journey, playing in the studio, mm -hmm. and then figuring out obviously opportunities to uh, make it work. And I think that's I think that's enough right now. I think um, what I'd like to do, I, I suppose, is like a question and answer. So, but after that, just as a fun thing, just to see, it's so great. I don't know if it'll work, but turning off the lights, pulling down the shades, you guys can take out your iPhones and put your flashlights on and see if you can uh, see even just a small portion of this one quality that, that I've discovered. So, um, any questions or? Um, you were telling me earlier, Sheila, how you actually, you know, it, it looks like you took these pieces of sign and stripped them and then wove them, but of course they're, you know, thick, hard metal, and so how did you create the illusion of weaving um, with these really challenging objects? But one of the things, uh, to get this kind of random, organic quality, there needed to be a bit of organization. So, like in this piece, there are three different widths. There are one, two, three, four, five different lengths within those widths, and, and different degrees of bend. So they go from like a 90 degree to 120, and then 160. And then, then there's like little filler that I can just use from scrap and such. So that. That, just having that sort of logic in terms of, I know what, I know I've got just a, a fairly limited size palette, if that makes sense. It's, it, it helps me not get too lost as I'm working. It's like, oh, this one doesn't fit. Well, maybe the 18-incher will, you know what I mean? Because I know, you know, and I've got, you do a lot of spreadsheets and, um, to get everything fabricated, and then have enough there to just begin, in a sense, to play. I mean, I knew I knew the I knew the layering that I wanted to do. I knew I wanted, in this case, for it to have really kind of intense intense energy, but still almost have a strange kind of abstract landscape form, using the green, the blue, you know, like, like this is the earth and this is the sky, and kind of bring that very subtly, because I'm, I'm not trying to create a landscape, but, but to, again, just working with various uh, ideas to give, give it some grounding and logic. Does that help? Yeah, so you're creating this very chaotic feel out of a very organized, like substrate in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like uh, my life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't look very organized, but I really try to. <laughs> At what stage did you start to play with the retro reflection? I didn't discover that until November. When the winter light came in. Yeah, and, and uh, we were we were doing some photographing of it, and, and uh, James Tinty, uh, an artist friend of ours, uh, came by and he just pulled out his iPhone, and all the lights were off because we were working on stuff. And he goes, "Oh my God!" And you know, and it was just like it's such an obvious thing, and and it had yet 
to sink in that that was that was one of its attributes that should be explored. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a fantastic illustration of why artists are drawn in this sort of like physical sense to mm -hmm. making is it, is to learn mm -hmm. and like that that whole that mm -hmm. whole dimension of discovery. Like you trust in that process so much that that whole dimension of discovery is available to you. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, it kind of fits the theme here, but I call it driving with my headlights on. <laughs> you know, I can't. I can go from here to Anchorage. Um, in the in the dark, but I can only see about a hundred yards in front of me the whole way, you know. But I trust that process because I've done it enough that it just seems normal, even though it's actually a very weird thing when you think about it. But in well, I was just thinking, these pieces, especially the dimensional pieces, have the quality of uh, you're messing with paint or reflecting on. I like to think you're messing with the medium of painting, with mm -hmm. the tradition of color fields of mm -hmm. Rothko and you know, right. the whole history of it all. And then you're working with sculpture, as you always do, or primarily do with mm -hmm. your work. And then now this living, breathing painting element, or ob art object element of, with this light reflection. But, and then, so it's, it's a 24-hour experience. But one thing, I, I, the, my question is, I feel like these are very masculine and those are very feminine. And, and I don't know if there's if, if that was intentional or accidental or if I'm just pulling that out. Do you have any do you have any thoughts about the? Why well, have a really snide thought right now? Say it. Yeah. These are really painful to make. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and those are not. That's not. Yeah. They're slow. that just seems sort of like ancient religion in that one. Or, and that's, that. that's not quite the right word, but you get kind of get the gut. So it's more, I haven't thought about male and female. I'll have to think about that one and see, see what. Well, it's a phenomenal show, and, and especially your dimensional pieces are, um, I've never seen anything like it. It's remarkable. Especially the breathing, the living part, mm -hmm. where under, different lighting circumstances. It's a completely different visual Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah. And I always wear glasses as well. Yeah. And the saw is, um, darn it. Oh, I use my chalk box. And because it's all aluminum, it's all non-ferrous, so I can use my wood tools. And I'm trying to think of the name of the saw. It's a really scooping saw. Is it like one of these? Or like a, oh, a top saw? Mm -hmm. And then um, I also use uh, my bandsaw, especially for the mosaics. And then with I, wood cutting blades. With wood cutting blades. Mm -hmm. And then I also use I got a a, a table uh, table grinder with with a belt sander and a, a disc. And I use that primarily to it's like like if if this is the shape I want to cut, you know, get get right on there. I I cut it out freehand on the bandsaw. And then I take it over to the grinder to get get the, get some clean lines in it. Yeah, but I am just really in the in the beginnings of aluminum welding, um, partly because I'm not certified, and in terms of commission work. There's this whole insurance thing, you know, and um, I would have to like go back to school. I, I don't feel that I, I need to be certified to for these smaller works. But I also work with. Do you know Patrick Garley from uh, Palmer? He's done a lot of. I, I bring things to him and we work together to because he's a much more proficient welder than I am. So we work together to. to he always loves seeing me coming. As you can imagine, it's like, oh my God, here she comes again with this knot of aluminum to try to figure I, out. I have a question about uh, <clears throat> that a lot of found object work has this feel of randomness to it, and I think it's intentional in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. But at least have a little bit of that, although it's obvious that you've developed this strata idea, so you've made choices about the the color coordinating and so on. But the more you talk about it, the more I realize that a piece this size and really any of these involves just hundreds and hundreds of design choices, right? Because you didn't find these in sizes like this. These were full-size signs. Right. And then you made choices about where to cut these and why and in all of these cases. And, and to me, that is a whole other layer of organizational, uh, you know, effort and work to just, to, it means it's really hundreds, maybe thousands of choices that design choices. It makes it sound like I'm a lot smarter than that, and I'm not. Um, it's more of a, of a of logical flow. It's like, okay, I know conceptually and, and stylistically I want some, I want some long, like pieces of green here, so I just I I've got my I've got my list of uh, it, my typical lengths and widths and all of that and and I and I just in a sense mark out on the signs. It's like this one's going to be this long. Here's where that. It, these are all also all regulated. Um, they're all the same. Portion for the no matter what size they are because it's at an angle. So so you never have something that looks too regular. So I I can just sort of go into that flow. 
that still doesn't mean I don't like put everything down on a spreadsheet that, that I'm, I'm sharing and, and, and working on. But then I get them all back and they're all just sort of in a jumble and I, kn I know where I, I think I want to go. But then I just start and the material then that I've got a big pile of already prepared begins to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. So there's two layers of design. There's the original one, which is simple, which because you need certain lengths of, and widths. But then the second one is when you're actually fitting them into mm -hmm. the spaces, mm -hmm. which one should you put here mm -hmm. and there, even though, yeah. Okay. And that's weirdly why, why, even though these two systems look entirely different, they have some of the same process. It's, it's about finding the shape that fits, like you're fiddling around, fiddling around, and you kind of know, oh, here's where the cut goes, or here's the piece that goes here. Can I ask you to follow up? I, because I know that you're exploring the idea of strata and thinking about the future of like what the humans, what, what human civilizations detritus will look like later when it becomes a strata. Mm -hmm. I've always seen these mosaic pieces, especially as like, underground landscapes, because they, mm -hmm. they really look a lot like other kinds of landscapes, like a little slightly abstracted landscape painting, mm -hmm. things. But they all, but they don't ever have like the traditional landscape feature of a horizon or a right. sun. Or no, you're already you you're know. already way down. In so the you're strata. way down underground, and yet right. still there's a landscape. I just see, I've never seen that. horizon line when when I'm traveling I'm, I'm taking details more imagistic details than than like oh here's the bay I'll focus on something yeah, right, yeah, you know right.